All right, so we're, what we're doing tonight is we are, we are concluding our study of Hebrews by completing chapter 12 and, and chapter 13. So this first, um, this first overlay gives us two scriptures which show the parallel between chapter uh, 11 and 12, which is what we've been talking about. So uh, the first one is in Hebrews 11:6. Could you read that with me? I know it's I know it's up here, and or you could uh, if you want to read it directly from your Bible, you'll want to make sure because you can see the ellipses there. I I've taken some out, but let's read the part that I have on the overlay here, shall we? Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. So. The two parallel themes are faith and holiness, as we saw last time. And in chapter 11 is showing us that faith has always been essential. And the overriding theme is don't give up. The fact that we are now walking by faith in Christ, we need to hold on. Everybody understand what I'm saying? So let's say it again. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now, chapter 12, the key verse is 12 and verse 14, and I believe the entire verse is there. I'm doing this on purpose. I want you to see that the, the, the parallel between faith and holiness. So <clears throat> to love God, uh, chapter 12 reminds us, or at least the first 14 verses, to love God is to pursue holiness. If you, are, if you say you love God and you're not pursuing holiness then that's bad. All right, so let's read verse 14, shall we? Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, what is the one word that is in both key verses? Everybody, without. Without faith and without holiness. So, folks, the parallel is obvious that chapter 11 is demonstrating that it's always been through faith. Everybody say faith. Hallelujah. And that without holiness, holiness is the means by which we get closer to God by pursuing holiness. So lift, lift our hands and ask God to anoint his word tonight. Father, thank you for our time in Hebrews. Thank you for the saints of God. Ask you to bless and keep each one. Guide us, we pray in your precious name. Amen. Praise God. And you may be seated. God bless you. Now we're going into chapter 12, verse 15, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. Now, could you read that with me? I know you're, uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, so help me read it. Here we go. Looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. Now you can see that what I tend to do, what I like to do is if words in the King James may be a little uh, harder for us maybe to catch the full grasp of it, then I, I throw a little explanation in there. So the word fail means to come short of. So you have to look diligently lest any man come short of the grace of God. Everybody say come short of. You can come short of the grace of God. Now, tall folks, I know all of us tall folks, we, we don't think of that very much. But it's possible to come short. You're trying to reach it, but you come short of the glory, which means you never get to the glory. All right, now, uh, so you look diligently, lest any man. Everyone say, lest any man. Now, how many notice on the overlay? And uh, 
uh, that there's a Greek word there, and it's only just the Greek word what? Anybody? Don't say. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter what it is. All right. The Greek word there is the Greek word may. All right. And the Greek word may normally means. All right. It normally means not. What would that word be? Not. It's the word for not in the Greek. Now, of course, it's the word for not in a particular use. Otherwise, it's ooh. But but may usually means not. But if you have a special way that you're using the word may, which there are several special ways, but in this particular instance, it is translated how? Lest. Looking diligently, lest any man come short of the grace of God. That is to say, don't, it's another way of saying not. Looking diligently that you not fail. That's really what it means. But it's translated less because you must look diligently because it is possible that you could fail, but you don't want to fail of the grace of God. Then it goes on, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Everybody say bitterness. Now, bitterness is listed in, the, in, the, in this category of things that can completely destroy the heart of a child of God if they lose their faith or their holiness. Everybody say faith and holiness. If you lose your faith or you lose your holiness, then these things can destroy you. Now, the first thing, of course, now, you notice at the top, I've not referred to it. Of course, I can barely see it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, that the warning is, I'm calling it the what? The warning of what? Esau. You're kind of quiet. Do I look that bad? I'm trying not to move. I've got my feet real close together here. All right, the warning of Esau, and that is don't turn back or you will be lost. It's only the one who endures to the end who will be saved. Does anybody believe that tonight? So look diligently, lest any man come short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up. Everybody say spring up. That's the Greek word for sprout, but spring up is okay too. If suddenly there's a little sprout of bitterness that comes up, you have to be very careful. Someone said, that's just a little sprout. Folks, you never want to let anything get in the way of your walk with God and your faith and your holiness. Now, let me tell you something. If you're doing something that's destroying your holiness, for example, let's say you're wearing real holy clothes, but you're filling your mind with something that shouldn't be there. That's destructive. That's letting something sprout in there that shouldn't be there. If, you're contra- if something's contradictory in your spirit and it's not holy, then it will, be, it will start destroying. Someone will say, well, here's what I hear. Well, what's the use? Some people can get everything right, but maybe they're tempted with something that they, they were that, that through the years they had accumulated in their lives. And so they have to find a way. I remember, for example, in my well, never mind. I don't want to use my family as an example. But there are things that people fight or wrestle with that they have to get victory over. And when they do, they dig it out by the root. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Otherwise, it'll trouble you. And therefore, many will be defiled or, or literally now, defiled is okay. I'm trying to be clear here. That's a, that's a Greek word for stained, to be, to be uh, affected by it. It's like a stain that you can't get out. It begins to affect you, and it's defiled. Verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person. It wouldn't say profane. See, I thought for sure that I had put the word, because the word profane is not commonly understood today. But it has two possible meanings. In other words, two related meanings in the Greek. The word profane, doesn't matter what the Greek is, 
I mean, it matters, but I'm not referring to it at this moment. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Sister Fridge, can you come up and teach this lesson? All right, so profane person as Esau. So and we know what a fornicator is, or we, we get the basic idea of what a fornicator is, we understand, or a profane person. Now, the word profane means, usually, it means unholy. Can you say that? Unholy. So a profane person is an unholy person. But every once in a while, you'll see that it also has the idea of a godless person, someone that does not take into account. So basically, now listen, I know you're not going to like it, but when you say somebody is godless, you're saying they're unholy. They're the same meaning. They're the same word you can, in different places in the Bible, you see it in, that is, if it's Greek, that's what you're finding. So be careful because you don't want there to be fornication to grow up inside of you. Now, if you're watching something or doing reading books or whatever, or the world's pulling you and it's adulterous or it's full of fornication, that's going to take root in your life. It will take, someone told me one time, oh, that, that pornography, that's not affecting me. I said, you're about to, your whole marriage is destroyed, and you, you, it's not affecting you. I need to, you need to join the dumbbell club of the year. It wasn't affecting him at all. I said, your wife was just in here the last time, and, and I can tell you right now, it's affecting you. It's destroying you. Next thing you know, of course, he's backslidden. He hasn't served God. You know why? Because he was letting it get into his life. Faith and holiness go together. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and therefore many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person, as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Now, I fully intended to use the ESV here because it just made it simple. I wouldn't have had to go into all through the explanations, but, but I did it. Now, let's read verse 17. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Now, something that has helped me uh, as I was this it used to bother me that East, I felt like, how could Esau seek repentance and not find repentance? The answer is that the word no place means opportunity. The opportunity was what? Gone. So therefore, I want to list four separate spiritual principles that come from these verses number one you must not allow anything to become more important than your soul can you say amen now, i know it's pretty tiny and i can't read it so if you're reading it you better thank god every moment all right don't allow anything to become more imp- and listen if i say something that sounds really bizarre you know that would be unusual then um just mark it up to What's her name, Dr. Uh, whatever her name is. Don't allow anything to become more important than your soul. Don't let anything or anybody change your heart and mind and pull you away from your godly heritage. Don't let somebody tell you it doesn't matter. Holiness matters. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Praise God. There is a point when it is too late. Esau, the warning of Esau is you do not want to reach the point of no return. The point in which it is too late will then be you will carefully seek repentance with tears, but you will not find it. And therefore, it is, it is 
critical. And of course, Paul is warning these. These are basically Hebrew priests and so on that are thinking, well, it doesn't really matter. The Jewish faith is pretty good and so on and so forth. Folks, live in, folks we are living in a very, very difficult and dark hour but the power of the holy ghost is stronger than any force your children can be saved your neighbors can be saved but they have to believe the gospel they're not going to be saved believing in a totem pole oh like the totem pole here that's good enough no that's not good enough that's not good enough you're going to have to know who jesus is let's praise him together shall we let's thank god for his truth tonight father thank you for the word i'm so thankful that you're here and helping us amen amen of course i could get help reading but but why do that when I can trip up here and just so much more fun trying to read it? All right, verse 18. Now, so we've gone. Did, did we get all the verses in there? All right, now we're going to verse, let's go to the next one, verse 18. And we're looking at uh, the warning of eternal judgment of fire. So now for the rest of the chapter, he's going to use the symbol of fire as judgment. And he's going to conclude with that. And he's going to tell us that there's just too much to gain to lose. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? There's just too much to gain to lose. And he's going to give us eight things that are too valuable to ever lose. If you lose them, you are losing the most important thing in heaven and earth. So he says, for ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched. So you understand, you're, they, he's talking to these Christians who have converted Jews. We are not now coming to the mountain that... The Mount uh, Sinai, for example, that uh, that can be touched. In other words, it's not a mountain like the one there's supposed to be a Mount Sinai behind there. Can you see that at all? I can't see anything, but it looks well, that's supposed to be Mount Sinai and and the, the children of Israel at the base of it. And so that's what the picture is. But I've covered it up so much and and I can't tell you for sure if it's there. I think it's there back in there and that's the very top of it and there was smoke and fire was he's using the symbolism of the giving of the law and the smoke and the fire and so forth to say that that was marvelous moses was great and there was the fire at sinai but now we've come to something far more important than you being afraid of the fire now anybody at sinai would have been afraid it was natural but if you think that there's nothing to say and jesus doesn't matter then you are the greatest fool that ever lived your hope and your faith and your future depends on jesus christ amen so let's read now that, that's pretty tiny uh let's try that could we read 23 22 23 and 20 let, let's not do that here we go i'm going to read it but you are come unto the mount Zion, the heavenly jerusalem of course i'm what i've done I, i'm not going to read that i've taken out everything except the eight points that i'm trying to make and so it's it's uh i only left it there i suppose so you would see that that indeed is where I'm getting these eight points that are over to the side. And that is it's there's too much to gain to lose. So the salvation's gain begin. Number one is heaven. Everybody say heaven, heaven itself and the hosts of heaven. In other words, the angels. Anybody know there are angels here tonight? They've gathered here. They're not judging me. They're not saying, hey, French, how many degrees do you have? How much money? What kind of car? The angels are not judging me. The angels are here because they're on assignment from heaven. And if you are a child of God, you have an angel. God is protecting you. Hallelujah. Heaven itself, the host of heaven, gathered around Elijah. He said, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? Look at the enemy. And he said, look, God, you, look, open his eyes, Lord. There are more that be with us than be with them. The angels of heaven are all gathered about us there. 
So that's two. I'm, notice I'm doing them in couplets because I think that they're couplets. Heaven itself and the hosts of heaven. Number three, the church. Everybody say the church. And so the church is the greatest. Folks, listen, don't ever take for granted the church. Not only the church, but your name being written in the book of life. So how many are thankful that your name is written in the book of life? Praise God. So you came into the church. You're born into the church. Someone said, well, yeah, I was born into the kingdom. But you're born into the church. You're born into his church. And then your name is written in the book of life. Number five. The saving God who is our judge. So the very one who judges us is also the one that wants to save us. How many are thankful for a judge that wants us to be saved? He's the judge of the world, but his desire is that we would be saved. You don't want a judge that has to send you into judgment. And that's exactly what he's getting ready to say. It would be a very, very foolish thing to be doing something that you know is, well, unless you're so deceived you don't know it, but which... Uh, uh, I, I think we're living in a culture that no longer believes there's any judgment. I, I, I understand that. They don't think there's any judgment. Lots of people. Lots of folks do. You meet a lot of guilty people, a lot of people nervous. But there's also a whole crowd of folks out here. I call it the Antichrist spirit that has no sense whatsoever. They'll blow your brains out and they don't think it makes any difference at all. They don't think it matters. They'll never be caught. It doesn't. Nobody tells them what to do. That's the Antichrist spirit. Someone said, well, that's been around a long time. Yes, it has. Paul said it was right there in his day. But the spirit that this world is showing us is not the spirit of a loving God that is going to judge us. And he's also, number six, the perfecter of our faith. So that what I need to be, what I want to be, God is helping me to be. He's my judge, but he's not sending angels to say, hey, hey, but go tell them I'm unhappy. No, sir. He's the perfecter of my faith. He's causing me to be perfected. So I say, how do I do this, Lord? I want to be holy. What should I do? Folks, listen, we got a lot of new people in this church. They need to learn about holiness, and they're not going to learn it from somebody that grunts at them. No, sir, they're not going to learn holiness because you walk up, oh, well, you're just not holy enough. I'm going to tell you why they're not holy. They don't know what holiness is. And they're, they're not going to learn it from a list of rules that you set. Down. So here's the rules. Now you memorize those rules and don't you come back to me until you, that's not how people are going to find it. They're going to find it through what we're going to look at in chapter 13, and that is the very love of God. If we preach it and love people then, and they receive the gospel, then they're going to... You know why people receive... You know, it's just easier to receive something when you feel loved. Don't you think so? Doesn't that make sense? When people feel loved... Now, sometimes you can love people just all over the place and doesn't make any difference. We all know that. You can love some people, just love them, love them, love them. All right, so number seven. One of the great gains of salvation is a, a covenant mediator savior by the name of Jesus. Of Jesus, you have a covenant with God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You've made covenant with God. You have a testament. You have a covenant. Uh, I guess that's clear enough. 
He's, he's the mediator so that you're able to get through to God and get in covenant with God. Lord, I'm not, maybe I'm not what I should be, but I'm trying, Lord. I'm growing. Help me, Lord. You're my judge. You're my master. Hallelujah. Folks, I want to tell you something. We got a church that's on fire. We need to keep holiness at the very base of everything we're doing and let people know that it's a powerful relationship with God. It keeps us in covenant. You break covenant, then you're in trouble, just like he's going to say in just a moment about marriage. So you don't want to break covenant in your marriage or relationship or certainly not with God. Number uh, uh, da, da, da. one, two, three, <laughs> two, four, seven. Now we're at eight. Oh, hallelujah. This is the final one. A savior that provides the only means of salvation through his own precious blood. If you give up the blood, if you walk on the blood, if you trample on the blood and you think there's going to be some kind of hope out there, then you're lost. The only hope of salvation is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Folks, I want to tell you something. I don't want to lose any of that. I want to know him. I want to feel his touch. Praise God. I have come to the Mount Zion. Praise God. What does that mean? That means heaven. That means the angels, the church. I've got hope of heaven. My name's written down. God is my judge and my savior and on and on and on. Can we just clap our hands and thank God for all of the great things that he's done in and through us. Now, I don't know if I can read from this, the pages here or not, but let me try. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of, of sprinkling <coughs> that speaketh better things than Abel. Everyone say better things than Abel. Because you know the Bible in Genesis says that the blood, uh, what's it say there? Cried? Does it cry out or it spoke? Anyway. I, I think it says it cried out in Genesis. But the point is that it was as though the blood were speaking. And that, of course, the blood didn't literally uh, didn't literally speak, but it was speaking because he had it was crying out for justice because his brother had killed him and murder had entered into the human scene and is still on the human scene and uh, all of that. But the cross brought not just the cry for justice, which, of course, uh, folks deserve justice, but it was the cry for mercy. And how many knows that God wants everyone to be saved? It's his will to save to the utmost. Praise God. Now let's go on to uh, verse 25. See that ye refuse not to uh, him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him. And that should say something else, I'm sure. Uh, folks, Trying to do this with no eyes has been amazing. So you can see, uh, is that, sp <laughs> brother, brother French? All right. Um, if we turn away from him, that speaketh, is that what it is? Without me, having to, I, I could try to search it, but eyes really help when you're trying to search. That speaketh, yes. Okay, that should have said, that speaketh. Much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him. By the way, the word speaketh, there's not the word in Greek for speak. Just want you to know this. 
It's the word for to give divine instruction. That's a special word. The word for speak is the most common word in any language. To say he said, he, so forth. That's in Hebrew, that's the, number most, that's the most used word in all the Hebrew language. And in Greek, it's the same way. But that's not the word here. They refuse him that spake. That word is not the word to speak with, just say something with your mouth. It's the word to give divine instruction. If God is willing to give you a holy Bible and give you instruction and you do not heed it then and you turn from it then there will be consequences he spoke from heaven verse 26 says and of course it's quoting Haggai I shall not uh, I sh- <laughs> I shall not <laughs> I sh- shake not is that what it says I shake not the earth only but also what Heaven. So in other words, he's using Haggai to preach a sermon. Y'all, please, please, please bear with me. <laughs> this, is, this is so powerful and wonderful. But I have to keep going. I'm going to someday I'm going to see again. All right. So I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And so that's the basis of his sermon that just like he shook the Mount of Sinai. So and he shook earth, but he also shakes heaven because the prophet Haggai said so. So he said, verse 28, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace or be grateful. You notice I put that in there. Let us be have grace whereby we may serve God. How? acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our god is a what a consuming fire we need to respect him can we just lift our hands and ask god father tonight i pray that our hearts and minds will be surrendered to your purpose lord help us to reach our world help us to be a set for revival lord we give you praise Amen, amen. Now let's go into chapter 13 because we're going to, now we're kind of walking into the very conclusion of the book of Hebrews. And we're going to look at six, uh, what I call the six godlies. All right, and, and that's what he's going to give us in chapter 13. And uh, he begins with this, let brotherly love continue. Can you say that with me? Let brotherly love continue. So this entire first three verses has to do with godly love. Everybody say godly love. Love. One more time. Godly love. So he's not saying, of course, for example, he says, be not forgetful to entertain strangers or be the, the word entertain uh, has completely lost its meaning in the current. But it is a Greek word that means to be kind or hospitable. So don't forget to be kind. I guess I don't see any reason you couldn't say that. Don't be not forgetful to be kind hospitable to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unaware and i'd love to stop there you notice that i put the angels in the background i could have emphasized it i often have i've decided not to tonight but uh, i do believe that angels are far more involved in uh things than we realize and so are demons And we are now in a culture that is so college, university, super smart that we do not believe that demons are what are causing problems. You wonder when somebody murders someone in such a grotesque way, how could they do such a thing? It is demons. When you say something happened and you didn't have an answer, it's angels. God was there. He sent his angels. Hallelujah. So it's possible. I just want to say it. I don't have to. Lord, I know it. I got to go faster. But angels, you could be speaking to angels and not know it. For thereby some have entertained angels. 
Praise God. And I want to tell you something else. I'd rather be kind to someone and be taken for a fool. I, I'm just telling you, I'm just the way I feel. I don't want to be taken for a fool. But some people are so fearful of being taken for a fool. Uh, oh, well, you, all they did was spend that on their booze. Well, maybe they did. Now, I, I'm, I'm, I have enough sense to know I don't just hand people something and say, here you go. Oh, you try to help people and, and uh, help them not let the worst of their demons destroy them. So if they say, I haven't eaten in days, someone told me the other day, well, there's this new scam out where they bring their kids and so on. But I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care. You listen to me. If somebody walks up to me and that little baby looks like it's starving, I'm not going to send them away. I'm going to help them. If I, so I said, well, they, they just, that was just a scam. I'd rather be scammed and do my best. I mean, just think of it. Oh, Lord, I hope we don't get over to uh, get, finally get through the gates and then have all these angels say, oh, I met you down there. I'm the guy you wouldn't give me not even 50 cents. I hope that doesn't happen. And I'm not saying that uh, not use your wisdom. That's why I said at the top, it's not an open invite to parasites or evil. Doesn't mean everybody that walks up, you just got to just say, here you go. Here's my car. Here's my whatever. And maybe sometimes we don't uh, get it or figure it out. There are times that I listen to someone and I'll say, and believe me, folks, I hear it every single day. Someone will say, well, my uncle, and then I immediately say, that's the biggest lie in the history. I don't say to them, boy, you're a liar. I don't usually say that. I, I, I don't think I've ever said that. All right, so don't forget, everybody say, don't forget to entertain strangers. That's Bible, folks. Now, I know we don't like it, and I want to tell you something. I'm having a hard time getting past the scripture here. Their angels are involved, and I'll tell you something else. I know you have to be careful. I know you have to be careful. I know you have to be careful, but some of us are so careful, we do nothing for anybody. We never think about, could I help someone? Hey, if you're worried about the dangers of helping someone, then do it on your own terms. But don't forget to help people. Be kind to them. I've even said, to, and Brother French has a, what, I forget, Brother French told me the other day, his, uh, we have a rule. We have rules around here how to do it, what, when to open the door, when to not to open the door, and so on. And, uh, but Brother French always has a rule that he never, he never even offers them the, the, the groceries until you have laid hands on them and prayed. Can I lay hands on you? <laughs> I had never thought of that one. I'm going to lay hands on you right now, and then you can get this food here. But the point of that is to make sure that they know that it's not just about getting food. It's about loving them about caring for them what if you get over there brother french and one of them walk up and says you i was that fellow you you laid hands on me i told you i hadn't eaten in, in 10 days and you laid hands on me yes sir friends i'm telling you that's bible let brotherly love continue be not forgetful we got too many people that are being forgetful to do the kind and hospitable thing Let's pray for people right now. Father, we got a lot of needy people around us, and it gets harder and harder. Help us, God, to do our best to love people.
And let us love one another, Lord. We thank you for it. We praise you in Jesus' name. And keep us safe. Amen. Remember those in prison as if. Now this is the new living. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. I like that. That's exactly what the Greek says. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. I don't think we're doing this. I don't. I don't think we're doing it. I don't. I don't think we're. I think we're too willing to uh, to just forget them. They're gone. Forget them. They deserve it. That's the attitude too many have. And, and the truth is they may deserve it. Someone did wrong, hurt someone, whatever. They, des- they deserve to receive the justice that is handed down. But the Bible didn't say, come on, stick it to them. He said, remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. He's telling you to love people that most people aren't going to love. Let's pray for our prison ministry and for those in prisons. Father, right now I pray for those that are struggling. Many of them, are their eyes are beginning to open. Some are never going to change, but some will, Lord. Help us to pray for them every day. Lord, let us pray not only for our county jails, but all across this land. Lord, our prisons are filled so full they can't build them fast enough. Lord, help us to feel it in our bodies. Lord, the pain of others. We give you praise. And everyone said amen. All right. A couple more verses. Let, this is the ESV. Let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled. That means, of course, by being faithful. Don't commit adultery. That's what it means. Let the marriage bed be defiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Now, I could have read the King James, but I chose to use the ESV for a couple of reasons. <clears throat> but I wanted you to see that the term the marriage bed is preserved in every translation well some choose not to translate it properly but i mean every translation that translates it literally like the esv so let marriage be held in honor among all which of course the whole idea of gay marriage is a is a complete dishonoring of marriage and let the marriage bed be undefiled so the marriage bed is a godly way to talk about a subject that is otherwise difficult to talk about in other words it's a decent way But see, we're living in a culture that no longer cares about decency. They want to bring homosexuality and pornography to the public arena. And they want young people to cuss just like sailors. They want kids to be exposed to things they should never hear because that's the new mentality. It doesn't matter. It's Bible basically calls this hedonism. But the Bible is careful when it speaks of such things. In other words, it uses language that we could speak of and even in public like this and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. I'd spend more time there, uh, but we're going to be coming back to this later. So let's uh, let's continue. Now, let's go to verse uh, five and six. I'm reading from the ESV here. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm failing to. Okay, so godly marriage, you see that, you're following that. I'm not mentioning it, but now we're looking at godly living. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. Everybody say content. Now, some people misunderstand this to mean that you don't ever strive for more. There's nothing in the Bible that ever limits you to strive to be whatever you want to be. To strive to be the best. Let's say you have a company and you want it to be a billion dollar company. There's nothing keeping you from doing that. It's talking about your discontent with what you have. That money is the only thing that gives you contentment. 
And if that's the only thing that gives you contentment, then you're never going to have contentment. All right? For he has said, I will, uh, wait, 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 and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Everybody say, praise the Lord. So we can confidently say, this is Psalm 118, the Lord is my helper. Everyone say that. The Lord is my helper. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I will not fear. Everyone say, I will not fear. Praise God. What can man do to me? Thank you, Jesus. I will not fear. The Lord is my helper. Can we just lift our hands and tell him we're going to trust him? Father, you're my ever-present help in the time of need. I will not fear what men can do. I will put my trust in your power and your grace. Praise God. Verse 7 from the New Living. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. I'm purposely using here because these are uh, what I'm calling the six godlies. I want you to see that any way you, any decent translator uh, could uh, come out with precise understanding of what it is that's being said. We follow godly examples. Remember your leaders. Everybody say, remember your leaders. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Thank you, Brother Cole. Thank you for years and years and years and years of service. Thank you, Brother Cole. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. Verse verse 8, let's read it together. Jesus Christ, the same... Yesterday and today and forever. And, of course, that leads into the very final portion of the chapter, which is uh, the the godly sacrifice. Now, the King James says, be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. And verse uh, 10 says, we have an altar. Everybody say, we have an altar. So the sacrifice, just because we're not putting animals and putting blood on the altar doesn't mean we don't have an altar. We have an altar, and it's the altar of our lives. It's the way we live our lives. When you live holy, you are a living sacrifice unto God. You are saying, this world is not my home. I'm living for a holy God. I'm not living for this world below. I'm living for the world above. Verse 11, I'm reading from the ESV. For the bodies of those animals are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, verse 13, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. I really, really like that translation. And let us go to him outside the camp. Far too many people are ashamed. They're ashamed to do what God demands of them because they're so worried about what the world's going to say. Now listen, listen, mom and dad, I know our young people have to learn and I'm I'm not scolding them, all right? I expect our young people to say, I go to school and they're making fun of my clothes and they're making fun of my hair. And ma- I understand that. I understand exactly that it's a very difficult thing for them to do. And I thank God that our young people are standing up and they're doing their best to live for God in a world that that is gone completely haywire. But let us go to him 
and bear the reproach that he endured. In other words, let's live holy because he is holy. Let's be like Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Hallelujah. We want to be like Jesus. Now, I'm going to read from the ESV here, uh, 14, 15, and 16. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name, or notice I put there, that proclaim allegiance to his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Hold on, let me see. Are you still with me there? Okay, we've got, got two more. We're almost there. Right, let's go. Let's go to the next one. So, so now we've, we've gotten past. Uh, the godly sacrifice, and now we're going to look at godly ministry, and then we have, we'll be done. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for, of course, literally it says over. For is fine, but, but uh, I want you to see that what it means there. For they watch over your souls as they must give account, that they may do it with joy and not grief. For that is unprofitable for you. In other words, if, he's, if the preacher is looking over your soul, trying to uh, minister and keep you through, and then uh, and, and, uh, you don't submit and you end up failing like the picture here. Now, that picture, this, the, the, the man of God, the shepherd, is doing what? Looks to me like, and I forget who did this portrait, but uh, it's fairly famous. I don't know if it's like world famous, but it's a pretty famous Christian portrait. Of, of the shepherd, uh, all you really see is that he's reaching. He's got his knee up on a branch, and he's very in a very dangerous place. He's got his staff, and, and there's the eagle. All that's very interesting to me. But it, the, the lamb is in a very dangerous place, and so it's not profitable. If, if you don't heed the ministry, which it says up here, obey them, have the rule, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. If you don't let them help you and you fall into that ravine, then it's going to be of no benefit to you whatsoever. In other words, his ministry, his staff, and all that he's trying to do, he's reaching down, he's trying. If you do not let him help you, then you're, it doesn't benefit anyone. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly, which is, I would think, better to say honorably, because no preacher... Uh, is, is thinks, well, I'm not willing to live honest. That's not the point. Because we think of honest today as someone being dishonest. Oh, he's a dishonest preacher. I'm, there may be dishonest preachers. But that's not what this is talking about. It's talking about living in an honorable way. So my conscience is clear. I'm living honorably. I'm praying every day. I'm preaching the gospel. I'm living for God. I'm trusting him. Praise God. And so we know that we can pray for our leadership, that God will give us godly leaders. And, folks, we need godly leadership all across the United Pentecostal Church. As never before, but I beseech you the rather to do this that I may be restored to you sooner. All right, or the sooner. Now let's go to the last slide. Uh, let's stand, shall we? We're all done. We're looking here at the end of chapter 13. Now the God of peace. Everyone say the God of peace. Can you, are you able to see that? I, I don't know if, if you can see it. <coughs> here we go. Let's just read to the end. You notice that I'm, I'm taking out a few verses, but just read what's on the screen here. 22 and 24, we'll, we, won't, we won't read that. We're just going to read to the end. Here we go. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, 
make you perfect in every good work to his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Grace be with you all. Amen. Could we just lift our hands and thank God for the reading of his word and glory to your name forever and ever. Amen is our prayer. Lord, as the book says, so say we that we magnify your name and we praise you, Lord. And we lift you up. Lord, let us be godly in everything that we're doing. Lord, let us be pleasing. Let us have faith. Just like Abel offered a sacrifice of blood. Lord, let us live our lives as a sacrifice living to you. And Lord, we give you praise. And nobody said, praise the Lord. Praise God. Well, we made it. Can we just clap our hands to the Lord? I'm excited that I'm still standing up here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Brother French, run up here and pray for us and dismiss us. And, uh, and then I will, uh, if I move around too much, I don't want to do that. So Brother French is going to come and pray for us. Thank you, Brother French. Lead us in prayer and dismiss these good folks. Lord, I pray you touch us tonight. I pray you lead us back safely this weekend. Keep your hand on us. Thank you for your word. I pray that it would be hidden deeply in our hearts. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Everyone said in Jesus' name.